On today's episode, we will be talking about suicide. By talking about this difficult topic, I hope our journey podcast inspires others to start a conversation. But if you are struggling with this issue, this podcast may not be right for you. If you need someone to talk to, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14, Beyond Blue on 13 00 22 46 36, or Kids Helpline on 18 00 55 18 The minute you start talking about it, the minute it gets easier. Go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of our Journey podcast. With me today is Georgia. Hi, guys. We are also meant to be joined by James, but unfortunately, he has been rushed to hospital. So hopefully, has a, he has a quick recovery and gets well soon. Today, Georgia and I will be talking about suicide, and we'll be talking about our personal experiences with suicide. Personally, I haven't attempted suicide, um, but I know um, some of my friends and my dad have attempted suicide. Um, So when I was in year 10, um, one of my best friends, she didn't come to school for about two weeks and I was getting a bit worried. And so I told the teachers and they got in contact with her and everything. Um, and I was sitting in art class one day and the teacher came and said, Kaylin, can you come out? So I went out and my friend was sitting in one of the spare classrooms and she just started crying. And that's when I knew that something was wrong. And so she sat down and she said, on the weekend, I tried to take my own life. And I just burst into tears because I was like, you know, this is why I didn't hear from you. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I I didn't want to do it. And, um, her mum who has multiple sclerosis found her in her cupboard. Um, uh, I was giving me goosebumps just talking about it. Um, we're still very close today. Um, miss her so much because her, they've just put her mum in, um, hospite. So, um, over, I think last weekend they did up her room and everything. Um, and her mum was extremely happy um, when she walked into her room and saw it. Um, another friend from high school um, used to self-harm and everything. And I remember one day she didn't come to school and um, the same thing. She But th- she tried to drink um, bleach, so it wasn't... She didn't try and hang herself or anything. Um, but all of... It, like, our whole friendship group knew that she had tried to um, commit suicide. Um, have you had any friends tried to commit suicide, Georgia? Um, no, so I've had someone really close to me. Yeah, I won't, I've had someone really close to me try to take their life yep. um, multiple times, which has been really difficult for me, um, especially because I was quite young. Uh, I was sort of, you know, there calling ambulances and visiting them in hospital and those kinds of things, so it definitely has affected me um and I have just had a lot of friends with like having suicidal ideations and thoughts and I've had those like I've had my own issues with that as well but it it's a really horrifying thing and it's hard as a support person as well like you were saying with your friend like to know what to do what to say how to feel like it's just it's pretty crazy yeah I feel like um it doesn't matter what age you are it affects it still affects um everyone yeah um like my dad last year so he um was going to jail for domestic violence domestic violence with his partner currently 
and his stepkids found the noose out the backyard. And I only found out from my grandparents once his fiance rang them and told um, them. So she didn't even ring me and tell me. And this is going to sound a bit selfish, but the only thing I could think of was you, you weren't going to say goodbye to like my brother and I, do you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds that's very like, selfish, no, I, don't, I don't actually think that's selfish at all. but it's like, okay, so you live with her and her kids and, you know, you would have seen them and everything. But, you know, the last time we saw my dad before that was probably a few months before then. So it's like, were you not thinking of me and my brother? Like, I, to me, it's like, okay, that Caitlin, that sounds a little bit selfish. I don't think that's selfish though. I think you are well, like... Of course, it's a complex situation, and I obviously don't know the whole thing. And for him to feel that way and want to do that is awful. But I don't think that's selfish at all. You, you're his children. Like, of course, you, you. That would be like your first thought. That would be my first thought as well. Yeah. Um. So that's pretty much the only time, like, only thing I've had to do with suicide. I've, like, I mean, everyone's had suicidal thoughts at some point. I've never self-harmed or anything um, and I try and help as many people as I can. Like I have a lot of friends now who struggle and I'm always like, I'm always there for them and I message them and be like, if you need anything, I'm here. Um, yeah. But me personally, I've never tried to commit suicide, never self-harmed because my thinking behind it is I couldn't leave behind my mum, my brother, my stepdad, my cousins, like... I've got two little cousins, three and one. Like, I could yeah. never think of leaving them um, no matter how hard my life was. And some, But some people are different. Like, they, they don't think there's any way out, which that's why I just want to talk about it and yeah, no, get, 100%. you know, I think this needs to be spoken about a lot more because every year it seems younger and younger kids are taking their own lives. Yeah, and like no, and- my one of my cousins, she's seventeen, and the other one's fifteen. And like I, my my little cousin, the other day, she goes to me, Katie. I've thought about, you know, suicide, and she, at the time she was only fourteen, and I'm just like, that is crazy. Yeah, like you're fourteen. You're far too. Yeah. You've got so much more life to live, mm-hmm. and because of you know bullying and all that other all the other things, she was thinking about taking her own life, and I'm just like, this is not okay. No, not at all. And you're so right. It's like mental illness and, of course, like suicidal thoughts and things like that. It's like getting younger and younger. I have young cousins as well. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's horrible to see people hurting. And I wish we knew why there was like this pattern. You know what I mean? Yeah, but definitely. But it's... And, like, I I look at my little cousins who were three and one and I don't want them to grow up, you know. I want them to be able to talk about these sort of things if if this is what they're thinking. Um, I don't want it to be a taboo subject or anything. Oh, exactly. And that's why I wanted to chat with you today. Like, it's something that is so important to me and, like, I just want that conversation to be heard. I feel like um, suicide is really only spoken about in either like a clinical or taboo sense yeah and I don't think we're educated on it enough and people are too scared to talk about it and I don't know why because it affects so many people yeah I also find that people decide it's the time to talk about it once it's already happened which should not be the case that upsets me so much it's like 
if especially in the media a, a figure will take their life and then they'll talk about suicide prevention for like five seconds exactly and then it's just like nothing happened cool till the next person takes their life and then it's like like the same cycle. Yeah. I um was watching TikTok the other day and um there was this girl and they're from Australia. I think she might have been in Sydney and she was at one of her friends' house and her mum um rang her and said, You have you heard from your sister? And her, she's like, No. Um and so the sister started to get worried and th- then the dad rang and said, Um, you need to come home and the sister was three hours away from her house. And so she got home and her sister had committed suicide because of bullying. It's, I've been bullied um, all through primary school, all through high school. Um, and people don't understand that words hurt. Like they yeah. think it's, oh, you know, being cool and everything, hurting this, these other people's feelings, but they don't realise that once those words are said, you can't take it back. Take it back. No, 100%. I agree with you. Like, I was bullied in primary school as well. And you'd think, like, now as, like, nearly 20-year-old, I'm like, why does that shit still affect me? But it does. And it's it's really sad that, you know, things that are said to you as, like, you know, 9, 10, 11-year-old can impact your life even when you're 50. Like. Yeah, it's... And the fact that at high school, it's not... Oh, my God. It sorry about that guys just had a phone call come through <laughs> um at high school the fact that it's not spoken about until it happens which is oh, yeah. like I can remember at high school there was no um conversation of suicide or all that sort of stuff there was nothing oh same I went to an all-girl catholic school and like the education about mental health was like slim to none especially in younger years I think as I mean I I I dropped out when I was like 15 but when I was in like you know year seven eight nine it was pretty much not spoken about they did their whole like are you okay day thing which I is a great great thing like great organization and I think it's you know a really good thing to talk about but I just hate that schools kind of use that thing to be like we care we care but then after that, there's, there's no help that's prevalent. No, there's not. And I feel like there should be a lot more in high school, especially. Um, because, like, even when my friend tried to commit suicide and then she came to school and told the teachers, there was still, like, no help. Like, yeah, there it's was... all, yeah, it's like handballed. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 that's okay. Um, I just feel like a lot of help, yeah, these, like, it, from teachers and authority figures like that are handled and then you get like really messed up in the system like I have so many stories about the whole mental health system in Victoria and how just it's meant to be like the best in Australia which is quite sad because the system has so many flaws yeah it does would you um care to share one of those stories yeah like I someone really close to me really severe mental health issues um and they had a really good support team with them and this was like probably one of the best one of the best eastern health it was one of like the best sort of like mental health services in melbourne and they just decided they've done this with a lot of their clients they just decide to sort of discharge them when they look like they're getting better okay and for this person like they were discharged after you know years of 
help, but you, it's, they still they still need the support. But anyway, this person was discharged and they were just like left to their own devices and then they started spiraling again. And it's just like that support is not there. Yeah, once <laughs> once they um, it's like once they think they're getting better. All right, you're good. You're done. That's basically it. And yeah, then, but mental health doesn't work that way. No, no. Like if you you will struggle for the, it's unfortunate, but like you struggle for the rest of your life, and it gets easier. But you still you still need support. Seeing a psychologist or a counselor once every couple months is not a bad thing, even if you're the most like positive person with their life together. Like people need to unwind. There's shit that we all deal with, and talking to someone is a great thing it doesn't make you a weak person doesn't make you ill like yeah exactly that's something yeah I care a lot about no I'm I'm very big on like therapy and all that sort of stuff um when I I find my mum knows when I'm getting really bad and so she'll sit down and talk to me and I'm like no 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 I'm fine I'm fine and then I just break out in tears and I'm like no Caitlin you yeah. need to ask for help and exactly. going and speaking to um a therapist is one of the best things I've ever done she's like they're complete strangers they don't know your life they're not there to judge you they're there to help you and just to listen and that's yeah. what some sometimes that's what people need they just need someone to listen not yeah. talk just listen to what they're going through yeah no definitely that's half the battle is just feeling heard mm-hmm. definitely definitely agree with you there um now, did you want to talk a bit about your story with um, suicide or...? Yeah, I'm, yeah, happy to if there are certain things you want me to discuss or you just want me to just, I don't mind. Yeah, just, just, um, just tell your story and if questions come up, I'll, I'll ask them and if you feel comfortable answering them, then that's completely fine. Yeah, too easy. Um, I was diagnosed with, like, severe anxiety when I was, like, 11 and... Um, I became quite depressed. I remember being, like, one of the only... My primary school at the time, which was, like, a really big thing, actually had a counsellor, which is pretty cool. Yep. Because um, not a lot of primary schools <laughs> no, do. No, they don't. Seeing, like, this 11-year-old with, like, a mental health care plan and a flight risk plan seeing a school counsellor. So I, I've had, um, yeah, really high anxiety for such a long time. And um, there was some you know childhood trauma and things I don't really like want to talk about no that's completely fine one of the one of the big things I will discuss if it's okay is I was um sexually abused at a young age okay and that went on for quite a few years and that definitely played a big role in my mental illnesses um yeah sorry no that's Um, okay that's just if you need a breather just just tell me and we'll we'll take (laughs) a breather that's all right. Um, yeah, so that definitely played a really big role in my life, obviously. Um, and, yeah, I had those, some childhood trauma issues and things like that. But just growing up, I got increasingly depressed. I started high school and I never felt like I fit in. I Like I said, I went to an all-girls Catholic school and there were some lovely people there, but there's also there's bitches everywhere. And there I just, is. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. I was not a fan. I did not feel like I fit in at all. And it just got me into this depressive state. And I refused help for a really long time. Um, And just, yeah, obviously ignored it. Had a lot of stuff going on with family at the time anyway. And then year eight for me, I would have been 14 was when it got quite bad. I 
finally agreed to see a psychiatrist and I went on medication. Um, but medication, sorry if I'm rushing as well. No, that's okay. Um, medication is another battle, like with itself, finding the right one took me years. Yep. Um, but yeah, sort of when I was 14, that's when things got a bit hard for me. I was very withdrawn from my family. I had a lot of. I had older friends as well, and I was hanging around with them, doing things that 14-year-olds shouldn't really do, drinking, smoking, whatever. Um, And that was when I was still, like, that's when I started self-harming. How long... (laughs) No, that's okay. How long, if you don't mind me asking, how long did um, the self-harm, like, how long did you do it for? It went on for a long time. So I'm currently, I'm 19. Yep. And I'm a year and a... mm, just over a year clean from self-harm. I just want to say I am super proud of you for that. Like, that takes a lot of courage and I'm just super proud Thanks. of you. Yeah, so. no, it, 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 it took a lot. And I want to, like, say that I, I'm a year clean from self-harm in terms of, like, physically, you know, injuring myself. But yep. obviously there are so many forms of self-harm. Like, I was – I've – been a smoker for a long time and mm-hmm. I'm trying to quit that and obviously yeah there's there's many forms of self-harm but that was obviously the main one that I started um yeah when I was about 14 and it is really scary to think about like I look at people in my family that are approaching that age and I'm like I do not want anyone young to go through that it's horrific yeah um yeah so that was sort of that quite depressed um then when I was 15, I started school refusing. Um, I, yeah, didn't really fit in much, wasn't <laughs> very happy there. So I just wagged school a lot, refused to go. Some mornings when my mum would drive me to school, I would just have, like, these awful panic attacks where I would just, like, hyperventilate and cry in the car for 45 minutes before I could be calmed down, and it was just a nightmare. Uh, and then I got politely asked to leave the school which I find quite politely funny. asked politely asked I remember I sat in this like meeting room and the principal and the well-being team were like you know we're trying our best to support you Georgia but you know we kind of just can't deal with your issues and oh. your attendance is bad and I think it's best that you look for other schools and I'm like sweet thanks for that um so yeah like I was saying before the support at that school was like yes they had counsellors but the support of that school was kind of next to nothing really um so yeah I was 15 and I wasn't going to school (laughs) that definitely played a role with my depression I was at home doing literally nothing um refusing to go to school I didn't want to go back to another school and then the department of education obviously because when you're 15 you need to be at school the department of education kind of got involved and they were like to my mum like she needs to go to a school and that's when I enrolled in like distance education I think it's called something else now but okay. it's like on it's like online learning it's like yep. what we've been doing because of COVID but yeah online learning um so I was doing that but it was just such a lonely time I spent majority of that year just at home like I isolated myself from a lot of my friends um, I was self-harming. I developed a binge eating disorder, which was also really difficult. Can you um, explain a bit more about that? Because I'm not too familiar with what actually binge eating disorder is. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, eating disorders obviously manifest in, like, so many different ways. For me, um, 
Sorry that I'm jumping back and forth. No, that's completely fine. Um, We're on like 20 minutes now, so this is going great. (laughs) Okay, sweet. Um, Yeah, if you need me to stop talking as well as I'm rambling, please let me know. Don't Um, worry. Yeah, so I've always been, I come from, like I'm European, I come from an Italian background, I've always been a bigger girl, so I was bullied in primary school for that, for my weight. Um, so I've always struggled with my weight and eating and yeah, with the binge eating, it was just, I was at home all the time and I was either self-harming or when I was eating, when I was in an emotional state. So it was either self-harm or food. So I'd find myself like sitting, eating like two packets of Savoy's, crying my eyes, like entire packets of Savoy's and binge eating is different for everyone. Yep. But for me, it was just, it came from emotion. Like if I was in a bad state, I would go and I would sit and eat like packets of food and then obviously like with my parents cottoned on and they were trying to monitor that but I remember like hiding food in my room and stuff and things like that because it was like an emotional outlet for me was eating and that was really (laughs) difficult and weight gain weight gain obviously came with that as well yep um and it was yeah hard because I like I said I didn't leave my house I didn't go to school um wasn't doing any activities or anything like that so that was yeah really hard um and then the I turned 16 and I was kind of like I cannot do this anymore like I'm sick of being at home by myself isolated um sorry I've skipped a part of no, that's it. Okay. I'll just go back for a second <laughs> that's right. um yeah back to the suicide thing when I was yeah 15 I obviously had very low lows I was at home a lot and like you did say, everyone, not everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people struggle with suicidal thoughts. But I, I definitely had very, very strong suicidal thoughts and ideations and things like that. And I remember writing suicide notes and leaving them in my room and things like that. And I just want to try and explain, like, for me, the thought of ending my life, I didn't want, I, I'm kind of the same where I didn't want to leave my you know sibling or my parents or the people around me because I I know that they care and I couldn't do that to them but it was I had gone to a point in my life where I was like you don't know I what cannot, to do yeah like and I you cannot and you just want anymore. the pain to stop yeah 100% I was just like I don't have any other option like that's how it felt and it's really scary when you you're at home and like my mum's a pharmacist. Our place is always stocked with medication. And it's scary having that thought where I'm just like, I could just OD right now. Like, it's... And I Obviously, acting on it isn't even scarier thought, but just having those those thoughts are, are just crazy. It's something I cannot even describe. It's really scary. And even self-harming... Um, for me, one day, I I self-harmed with the sort of intent in my head to take my life um and obviously I'm very grateful that didn't happen and it wasn't as bad as I wanted it to be and the wounds obviously and things like that but just getting to that point in your life is so I've used the word difficult so many times that I feel like it has no meaning now but it's just so like um, it's all right next time we'll just need a dictionary or something like that pretty much (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I literally can't explain, like, it's it's horrific. Um, I feel like, like, for me, 
I can't really understand because I've never been at that point in my life. So, like, for me, it's a little bit hard to understand. But hopefully for a lot of um, the people who are listening, they can relate to your story and um, all that sort of stuff. Like, but, yeah, just for me, it's a bit hard to understand because I've never been at that point in my life. Um, No, it is difficult, of course, like, 100%. Like, I don't – that's the other thing about trying to support people is, like, when you can't – relate as well it's yeah like, sort of don't know what to say but yeah I do hope that a lot of people can yeah understand and yeah hear what I'm trying to say but yeah so stuff oh my god I said yeah so many times <laughs> <laughs> I'm so okay. no that's okay anyway. don't worry as I said I wanted just to be as open and honest and raw as I said we're yes. gonna laugh we're gonna if we cry we cry <laughs> if we make a mistake we make a mistake we're just having a conversation and We'll just wing it, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that point in my life. Then I decided that I needed to go to school. Like, I was 16. I needed an education. Um, and I ended up finding, like, an alternative school, and it was a school specifically for kids with, like, mental health issues, school refusal, um, intellectual disabilities, so, like, ADHD, Asperger's, things like that. Can um, I ask so, what school yes. this was? called Berengara. It's in Box Hill yep. for people. I don't know what side of Melbourne no, you're on. Yeah. I'm, so I'm from um, Clyde North and I oh, so I left school when I was I finished year 10, moved to a different school and I was like, yep, I'm going to stay. Family stuff got too bad at home so I left, went and travelled overseas for two or three months with my grandparents to try and get away from everything that was happening at home yeah um came back I was like no I'm not going back to school then my brother he got accepted into Narry Learning Centre in Narry Warren so that's and that's a school for um kids who don't want to go back to school um family issues all that sort of stuff and I said to them look, I'm happy to come here and, you know, do my school as long as I can do my year 11 and 12. And I actually got a scholarship. So I got my whole year 12 paid for. Um, And it was the best decision I've ever made to go back and finish my schooling when I didn't think I was going to because stuff at home was too bad. Um, So those sort of schools are amazing. Like, no, they are. All places like that. Even TAFEs and things like that. Just We need more alternative programs. And it's really cool to hear that you did that as well. I, I know. Yeah, because I was like, when you were saying, I'm like, oh, my God, what school did you go to? Because like, if you had have gone to the same, like, that would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. Um, but, yeah, like, there was, I think, eight people in my year 12 class. The teachers are more um, hands-on. Like, it's more um, personal learning. And we oh, learned about things that you – don't learn at a normal high school like we went um into the city one day and we handed out fruit and water to the homeless we went to um, nursing homes and hung out with the old people all day um we did soup kitchens like things that you wouldn't do at a normal high school which i think are very important because though you don't learn those skills at a normal high school no, I feel like high school, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I feel like <laughs> high schools just produced like these robotic people. But anyway, um, my, no, my school was very similar. Like it was, obviously it was for people like with mental health issues and things like that. And there was like a very big element of support there. Like we had nearly more social workers and youth workers than we did like actual teachers, Yeah, which was, yeah, really cool. And what first name basis with all the teachers and things like that. Like, yes, it was, yes, a, it was, oh, that's a, so like, good. Personal, it doesn't feel like there's this hierarchy of power when you're on a first name basis with a teacher. Like it's just more of a welcoming environment. Yes, I completely um, agree with you. 
in my opinion. Yeah, so that's, no, that's really cool. But yes, I, I started at that school, um, which was really good. And I made a lot of friends who had been... This was the, the crazy thing for me, was I made friends who had been through really similar things. And it's just, like, insane to know that you're not alone. Like, you, you always hear, like, you know, you're not alone, blah, blah, blah. But, it, of course, having, like, any mental health issue is so isolating so finding people that are so like like-minded and have been through what I've been through and really understood like that was a really big thing for me in my recovery as well I think anyway um did you yeah, also so- find like going to that sort of school there wasn't any bullying or bitchiness like because you there was only like for me there was only so like eight people in my class oh, so yeah, there, was there wasn't and we were all so close. Like, I still see um, a few of the people from my year 12 class now. Um, yeah. Funny enough, one of the guys who's one of my close friends, we went to primary school together and <laughs> then went to high school. He left and then I left and then I went to exactly. the learning yeah. centre and then it, he was there too. Um, and now we, we hang out all the time and everything. So I just found that there was no bullying, there was no bitchiness. And so that also helped me, like, with, obviously, my anxiety and everything because I'm like, oh, I actually fit in somewhere, which was really, really no, good. I, I agree so much. I there were When I started, there were literally, like, two girls, and I loved it. Like, I went from an all-girls Catholic school to just a school full of guys, and it was the best. Yeah. Like, with guys, there's – especially, like – I mean, these are a different kind because they've all been through stuff, but there was no bullshit. Like, it was just – there was like next to no bitchiness and any of the like I want to say 90% of the girls that ended up that I met along the way like everyone because there's everyone's like-minded and they've all been through stuff that's just kind of like yeah there's no bullshit there's no I, I didn't find there was any bullying or things like that but yeah my experience from that but yeah the classes were so small everyone was close really I mean you have your friends but there was no hostility with people or anything like yeah, that exactly was, like that it's much more conducive to like a better learning environment so I completely agree um yeah so that was literally one of the best things I did obviously all schools have their flaws but it was one of the yeah best things I did was going to an alternative school and actually I ended up finishing my VCAL which was really cool I decided not to do VCE um because I just didn't think I could handle it and I remember at the time I was like, oh, God, I'm, like, the only person in my family who hasn't done VCE. And there's such a stigma, again, like, thing against VCAL as well that I was like... I'm yeah, I was I was just about to say there's a lot of pressure when it comes to VCE, you know, with, yep. like, the ATAR score and everything, you know, if you fail and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I yeah. did VCAL as well, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, I no, I mean... Literally, I was... Sorry, on, you go. There you go, here you go. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, I, I'm i so glad I did it because I was going to do VCE and I was just, like, I got to a point where I was like, I cannot put myself through that extra pressure and I'm so glad because I've learnt so many more life skills and, yes, I'm not in uni, whatever. I have, like, a bunch of different certificates. I've been working for years. Like, I'm doing well in my job and it just taught me life skills and I didn't have to, like, you know, mentally, like, kill myself over a score like I'm just so glad that I did make help but anyway you go um yeah but like so my, one of my cousins she's doing year 12 at the moment and the stress that she goes through like 
it's just crazy. I, I'm, I'm glad that I did VCAL because there was no stress and I feel like mental illness comes a lot, like that plays a big part in year 12, you know what I mean? And there's so much oh, yeah, pressure 100%. from the teachers and parents and, oh, you've got to have a good score, you've got to do this because you've got to get into this mm-hmm. uni and all that sort of stuff. But people don't understand the mental side of it as well. Like they just don't understand no, no, the mental health like when it you comes to it. you become your own worst enemy. Definitely. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, yeah, where, sorry. <laughs> where was I at? Um, yeah, so I did that. <laughs> um, 16, I'm just thinking. Uh, yeah, so I started the school. It was great. Great school, but still I wasn't mentally great. I was still self-harming. I started smoking like daily, heavily. Um, going out, you know, <laughs> doing stupid things and stuff like that. Um, and then bringing it back to suicide, I remember my thoughts sort of shifted from wanting to end my life to just wanting to disappear and come back when things were better. Yep. And I really want to emphasize that because I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. Like, it got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm upset and things are shit, but I don't want to, I don't want to die. I just, I need to go away for a bit and come back when I don't have to deal with all this pain. Um, that was, yeah, a massive thing. Like, I was just so embarrassed by my own existence that I just wanted to leave and come back when I was a better person or things were better in my life. So that was a... Yeah, really big. I I can definitely relate to Um, that. Like, I always joke, oh, you know, I just want to move to an island where it's just me and then just come back and, you know, when mm -hmm. everything's better. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not really the answer because you're always going to have struggles in your life. You're always going to have things that come up and you're always going to have to deal with that. And I always, my mum always taught me that there's always someone worse off than you. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Yeah, I can definitely relate to that a lot more, um, than, you know, um, having suicidal thoughts and everything. Yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, my mindset sort of switched. I was still self-harming. I was still, you know, just not okay. And self-harm becomes an outlet and kind of an addiction for people. Like for me, it was just... I felt so numb that I just needed to feel pain. Yep. And that was why I ended up self-harming. And then as time went on and I did it more, it was, it's going to sound really sick, but like seeing that blood and having that like rush of adrenaline and things like that, it just becomes so exciting. I know it literally sounds so weird. I know. No, no, that, but it's um, not weird. Like I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So I'm glad that you um, said that. So yeah no it, it does like saying it out loud I'm like oh my god that's now <laughs> it's like past but no it's it's true it's how it becomes addicting um yeah and then as I sort of started to stop self-harm like tried to you know stop self-harming I ended up like piercing the shit out of my ears because I was like that's socially acceptable pain I can do that <laughs> and then like getting tattoos because they're like a bit painful and I'm like that's okay too it's okay to get tattoos it's not okay to self-harm so that was like one of my ways of coping was to like have socially acceptable pain inflicted on me yeah um, no I I, I one of the ways I deal with um trauma and all that it's gonna sound weird but I get tattoos like both no, my arms are covered 
Um, I'm waiting until lockdown's over so I can go get more. And oh, people same. are like, oh, you know, you're weird. But to me, it's a way that I'm healing. Um, yeah, 100%. You express yourself that way. Like, obviously, I don't know your tattoos and if they have meaning or if they don't, but it, it is a way of coping, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Like, all my tattoos have meaning except... Um, oh, no, all of them do, but some of them are a bit silly. I kind of regret them. But, like, my main ones are my arms. Like, they're for my aunties who passed away from cancer, so they're remembering them. And then I've got a mermaid that has a scar down her belly because my mum had cancer. And so she's got a big scar down the middle of her stomach and she doesn't think she's beautiful anymore. So I just wanted to show her that, um, you know, I'd rather have you here with the scar than not have you here at all and that you are beautiful. Um, So yeah, that I get tattoos as a way of healing. Um, A lot of people don't see it that way though. They just think I'm being silly and wasting money and destroying my body. Oh, God, no. I hate people like that. More more the older generation. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. And I get that, like, I, my family is traditional. Like, my my parents are, they're pretty forward, like, forward-thinking, which I'm lucky about. But, we're like, we're migrants and things like that. So my grandparents and other parts of my family are, like, very traditional and, like, tattoos and piercings. And, like, you're mutilating your body. I'm like, all right, whatever. My my mum's dad's like that. My grand my dad's parents are they don't like them, but they understand that it's my body. I'm gonna do what I want. But my grand my opa he's very. He he grew up in the fifties sixties, so he's like you know he doesn't show emotion. He doesn't like to talk yeah. about mental health. Like oh, if God. I say oh you know my anxiety, he's he's like oh you're just being silly. You know what I mean? My grandma on the, yeah. my oma on the other hand, she's. She's got anxiety and all that sort of stuff, so she understands. But I feel like the the older men generation, they don't like, they shut off, they don't like to talk about feelings and mental health and all that sort of stuff. And I'm trying to educate my upper on a lot of people do struggle with mental health. And by you saying, oh, you know, you're being silly, you're being stupid, you're overreacting is not helping. So yeah. me and him always butt heads about that sort of stuff <laughs> because I'm like, no, Opa, it's real, you know, People do take medication for their mental health and that's okay because that's how they deal with it. Other people like myself, I go to gym, I work out, I do all that sort of stuff to try and help my mental health. But other people can't do that. They need medication. Like my auntie, she's on medication, my mama's on medication for their anxiety and that's okay. So I'm trying to educate. I feel like educating the older generation on this is very important as well. Um, because they didn't grow up with that sort of stuff. They grew up, oh, you know, have a spoonful of concrete and you'll be right. <laughs> exactly. No, even my, like, God love me, but even my dad's like that. He is very, like, I have been very, like, my parents have been very supportive of my, you know, issues and journey and things like that. But it's so evident that he grew up in a time where, you know, you're a man, you need to sort of suck it up, you need to be the breadwinner, you need to, like, and he's he's not, you know, old, but probably the cultural thing of my yep. family as well but it's just yeah it's very evident that like he refused he refuses to talk about his issues and so many people of that generation do and it's just yeah so i feel like we need to educate the older generation a bit more <laughs> no 100 percent. It's, it's definitely necessary otherwise we're not gonna kind of learn and yeah learn exactly it's just gonna go around in a circle and so but um well, I think we. Is there anything else you wanted to share, or? Um, 
was thinking, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, oh, I don't know. Is there anything, like, do you have any questions or anything you want me to, like... I think sorry, we... Being, like, no, I think we've covered the majority of it. Um, we covered a whole range of topics. <laughs> Um, no, but I think that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for joining me no, on this episode. Right. Thank you for having me. No, that's okay. Um, our journey starts here, guys. Listen in for the next um, episode on domestic violence.